0: I'm here with Michael Andrew, coming to you live from Budapest. Uh, Michael, you, you guys have had two matches so far. What do you mm-hmm. think? I mean, that second match, the, the Breakers came out swinging.
1: Day 1 of the second match was huge. Um I don't know, just my overall, I I'm thrilled to finally be racing again. I think it's something we obviously when we were on the show before coming to ISL, you know, the talk was all the the excitement and the anticipation of being able to race again, and that definitely lived up to its hype. Um it was really good and this was something I even spoke with Katinka and it was it was so interesting kind of taking from the first meet to the second meet there's a lot of learning that had to happen. And I feel like I'm almost learning how to race all over again. Obviously, you know, that's a bit of an exaggeration, but for me, the first competition was pretty, at least personally, like my swims were very subpar. I was not very happy with it. Um, But it set a bar and I was able to come into the second round knowing, okay, like this is what I was at and here's where I can improve. And this is what we're going to work on. And so we took that week to kind of analyze train a little bit and then focusing on what we need to work on. And then round two, as a group, as a team, everyone swam so much better. I swam a bit better. Um, you know, the improvements we made were, were good improvements. And now we try and roll that into our third competition, which comes up this Sunday. Um, but man, it's been an awesome atmosphere. It's weird walking into the Duna arena and having no people there. Cause every time I race in Budapest, they are known for having the most wild crowd they love swimming and you stand on the blocks just ready like fired up because of that energy and now all the energy is having to be very internally motivated and that's that's interesting and i think that's been not a struggle but something to definitely overcome
0: yeah and it's, i mean it seems like the breakers from that perspective have done a good job as well i mean i hear you guys on the broadcast banging the drums you've got the the horns like you get it it seems like the chemistry or at least the the energy um you guys have really
1: elevated that as well yeah no i definitely think we have and and i'm biased of course but i think we've got the best team chemistry we've got it we feel like a family and very quickly became a family and Obviously we have a few stalwarts from last year that were part of the team already. So we have that like New York breaker kind of heritage. Mm-hmm. Um, but everyone very quickly became one group and we all like, it's, it's actually really special. I was speaking with Peter, uh, Peter Timmers. It's like, there's nobody that doesn't get along. Like sometimes you'll see like a bit of a click or like groups or, you know, athletes that train together in squads that like, it's purely them. And uh, it's really awesome to see that everybody meshes incredibly well. We're able to play team games. We have like a team movie night. Like we're just, we're vibing and we're loving it. And I think that shows in the racing um, and overall gives us that freedom to just enjoy the fact that we're here in Budapest.
0: So let's talk about the team dynamic a little bit, because like you said, you guys had, you guys had Uneta Odison. Obviously she had to leave the bubble to be with her family. Totally understandable. But um, yeah, Peter Timmers, Marco Coke, you know, you guys have like real veterans of the sport who've been around for a long, long time. And then you guys have like some real newcomers like, uh, like Brendan Smith, who I talked to the other day, you know, who's, who's just, he's just coming onto the scene. Um, and, you know, and then yourself who on the younger side of swimming, but obviously you have raced so much, been around the sport for so long. So how is it having that blend of athletes kind of from every walk?
1: No, it's amazing. I think what's really cool. And this is what I've seen a lot is we, we see the kind of like our, our elders, our team elders basically carry this torch of maturity, and understanding and like professionalism and you see a lot of your athletes start to become that and mold into that because they see it being kind of demonstrated from the top and so it's really cool to see how you know we learn from example and our, our team leaders our, our guys that are putting points on the board and really have been around the block for so long are able to set that standard and it's just fun to watch how you know they they enjoy having the young guys around because they understand that, you know, it would have been so nice if they had this when they were their age type of thing. Uh, So it really, molds athletes much quicker. Um, And I think it's gonna, you'll see even five, 10 years from now, how much different the sport is because of this uh, mixture of young, old, veteran, newcomer type setup. Yeah.
0: I mean, it's, it seems like, uh, obviously, yeah, the ISL, just a great environment to bring a lot of different types of swimmers from everywhere together. Um, the, yeah. the get back, I want to get back to the racing a little bit. You said you talked to Katinka about kind of relearning how to race, um, you and Katinka two swimmers who are known for using racing as training. Um, right. I and so Tell me about that process of relearning, of getting back into racing. I mean, what do you feel like you have really missed over these past six months that, that you do have to now get back into?
1: Yeah, well, so my, my biggest thing is, well, I mean, gee, over this past six months, what I've missed uh, beyond, goes beyond racing. Um, one is, you know, pool space has been a real struggle and still is. Uh, we even going into December, don't really know where we're going to train and have the proper training plan and that's that's kind of scary um but i think when we speak when i was speaking with katinka what we realized is we would race so consistently that we would get faster and stronger from meet to meet and a lot of our training would be maintenance and working on the details and i kind of came into this trying to have that similar approach but obviously the racing has been substituted and we haven't had racing. And so because of that, I end up stepping on the blocks with much less experience. Obviously the experience is still there. It's just much deeper down. Um, and it's going to take a little more time to kind of bring to the surface. And, you know, we, through that repetition and that racing constantly, there's so much growth that comes from it to me. And now it's just like, how do we make up those last six months? And so I think you'll see it come back pretty quickly. Um, it is good to see improvement from me to me, but it does make it challenging because I think I'd be at a much, very much different place now in terms of racing had I had competitions leading up. Um, and it's it's unfortunate, but it's also one of those things where it's a bit of a wake up call. Cause I realized too, A lot of my training and my preparation coming into this ISL has been very lackluster. Um, And I don't know if it was necessarily the lack of racing or just the lack of certainty in terms of what's to come. Um, You really can't make an excuse for it, but we really had a challenge and it was almost a blessing I think too, actually, because this was the first season for me where I had time away and the freedom to surf play volleyball to create healthy community relationships, like really invest in that. And it's been amazing. I've loved it, but I also see the negative now where I've had too much of that and it's taken away from my uh, physical ability in the pool. So when I come to finish a 50, it hurts way more than it should. I have a tough time, you know, backing up with a second swim, third swim, a fourth swim, it gets worse and worse. And I'm honestly tired of being the guy that can only swim 50s. And I mean, I, I don't know if this is something I've said before, but it's definitely, I've gotten to a point where I'm ready to kind of give up a little more of the fun things. Obviously, I'm still going to be the guy that will do it all. I'll surf and I'll play volleyball and a thing like that. But I think it needs to be much more controlled and honed in and planned out so that it doesn't take away from my training um which is exciting but also a little nerve-wracking because i know like in order to really be the best even just this next seven months going into the games i'm gonna have to put in a ton of work um but that's a bit of a rabbit trail in terms of your answer (laughs) but regardless training's gonna be different racing is back i mean the new year will be maybe weird in terms of racing but The fact that we're here in Budapest and get to kickstart these next seven months of brutal training with racing is a really good place to be. Like, I'm glad that we start with racing because I'll build a little bit of a base through these time here in Budapest of racing, focusing on details. And then I'll take that, I'll study my swims, study other athletes, see what they may have been doing or what I need to be doing in terms of matching that and beating it so that my plan going into the game I can be never before and God willing break some world records.
0: Well, you got me fired up. I'm ready to go. <laughs> let's uh, bring it on next seven months. Uh, yeah, but I'll, re- I'll let me let me reel it in. Um, yeah. So let's, let's start. <laughs> let's start with Budapest. So obviously, you know, you said you're going to build build your base here. And not, you know, yeah. most swimmers say build their base and they mean put it in a solid block of work. And this is why I love talking to you because yeah. you say build a base by racing. And yeah. um, so first of all, if you're building your base by racing, what is that? What is what do the in-betweens look like? What is what is your day to day swimming looking like yeah. when you're not racing in Budapest?
1: Yeah, so it's tricky because right now, of course, we don't want to create an incredible amount of fatigue because right now I, I definitely have this, especially as team captain, I really want to be a valuable player in the team. I don't want to just come here and think, okay, like I'm just going to train through this and whatever the results are, so be it. I know New York Breakers, we have a really great opportunity to make the semifinals. And then once we're there, we, we fight for every spot and we see how far we can take it. Um, and in order to do that, I know I have a lot of events and a lot of opportunities to score points and I want to be there for the team. Um, I really, I know that that's kind of part of my, uh, role as team captain and even as an owner and even just as an athlete on the team. And then, um, so just with that being said, I don't want to load up and start all my 200 pace training and all these hectic pace things because that fatigue will carry. So right now, a lot of it is we'll race we have our day after the meet to kind of sharpen up, focus on details and really recover. And then a lot of it's maintenance. Um, and so we take the fatigue from the racing, let that grow, recover, and then we try and build into the meet where we really aren't training like full sets. A lot of it's broken down sets. Like even today, I just did a broken 200 IM 50s as fast as we could see how it felt. Get the heart rate up but nothing that's going to deplete me so that i know okay i can still race uh it is tough because obviously when i say build a base like the base isn't as much a physical base it's more uh a neural base a mental base where i know okay what sort of things do i need to now work on physically in order to achieve what i need to when it comes time for olympic trials and things like that uh,
0: again talking with you is so interesting. It's just, you think about things differently. You have a different approach than a lot of people. Um, I love, I love that phrase, uh, neural base, you know, you, mm-hmm. you are building those pathways to good habits or to try to sharpen those habits of what you're doing in a race. Um, where are you right now? Like, give me specifics. What do you, what's good about your races and what do you need to work on moving forward?
1: <laughs> oh man. What's good about my races? Not much, <laughs> um, no, I mean, I'm, I'm obviously my worst critic. Um, everybody's a critic, especially, you know, some swim, swim knows there's a lot of critics out there. <laughs> um, Many. I, yeah. So right now the biggest thing off the bat is my underwaters are complete trash. So I, I cannot fake anything, especially short course meters. I think if we were swimming long course. Maybe my swims would look much more. Um, uh, what is it? What's the word like? Acceptable mm-hmm. uh, for where we are. Um, but I think when we come into short course, I really this all of my weaknesses are put on display. That being the turns. Um, turns are average, but you know they're just not not quick enough, uh, especially when you're going up against Caleb. My underwaters are not sharp enough, especially going up against Caleb, Tom. Um, Really, anybody that's swimming fast in the 50s right now, it's all through the underwaters, even the hundreds. You look at Murphy's 100 backstroke, his 200 back. like It's so smooth. There's a lot of hip undulation. And I have this very stiff back, like knee-driven dolphin kick that just gets me nowhere, but destroys my legs. So a lot of things we're learning there. Um, outside of that, endurance is a big thing. I think it's through the last couple of months, I've become a stronger vessel. I'm much stronger on land. I can lift more. I'm more active and I can do these things. But what I realize, and I think this is a really good thing to realize now and to learn is that that doesn't translate at all into fast swimming. Um, Maybe I can have a higher tempo for a short period of time, but in order to swim fast and sustain through a race, I have to do it in the pool. Um, And that's something we've known and preached for a long time, but I've never firsthand had to experience that. And this is kind side. of that experience where I realized, okay, like I need to get back in the pool, basically. Um, and then what else, man? I'm just like picking it all apart. Uh, but here, really I'll, I'll... Get into the flags, like finishing. <laughs> so it's just overall, we're dissecting everything. Um, and it's not that we're starting from scratch, but we're starting with kind of a fresh perspective, um, almost like we're putting COVID season behind us, and now it's. 2021. Obviously it's, it's a bit later than everyone would expect us to start training for 2021. Um, but I know we've got enough time if we hit the ground running when we get home and and it's exciting, but right now it's just getting the necessary points in line so that we can just hammer away.
0: Yeah. Uh, so I'll ask you about a specific race, um, or a sequence of races, I guess. Uh, you guys had a huge push, uh, at the end of the last match on day two with the skins races, you know, you had, it, it was, it was a tight battle between, um, you and iron and, uh, you know, you yeah. guys did exactly what you needed to do. The, the males did in the first round of 50 breast skins, Marco and yourself both moved on. Um, and then, yeah. and then sadly, uh, you guys got third and fourth in those breaststroke skins in um, round two, but what did you t- what did you personally take away fr- just from doing the that two rounds of breaststroke skins?
1: Who, um, one? I guess the biggest thing is in the world of breaststroke, there's a new kid on the block, and that's M- <laughs> it's, it's Emory. <laughs> What the heck? Like, man, amazing. Super cool dude, like, very soft spoken, just a gentle giant, really. Um, and how, dude, is he taller
0: than, than therapy, you? He looks
1: huge. He's, huge. he's huge. Yeah, he looks as big as he is on, on camera. Yeah, he, he's a big guy. Um, but what's so incredible, and this is what all the breastworkers are seeing and noticing of him, is he has the size and the length, but he's got the turnover and the rate of a five foot dude. You know like he can turn over and there's a lot of power in his stroke um and so it's it's cool to see uh and it's cool to see being done um obviously short course is a different animal um he has really really clean underwaters and so that's something too you saw in caleb is caleb i mean and there's no no shame to caleb but caleb's not a breast choker and his breast stroke's not very pretty but he's a powerful swimmer, powerful athlete. He's off the blocks quick, and he gets past 15 in his breaststroke pullout. So he's really efficient. And it goes to show you short course meters, if you can do that, you can really get through any race. And, you know, me being a breaststroker pretty much from by heart, I I don't have those pullouts. Like I can maybe hold my own with those guys, but there's there's some things there that I need to be able to work on and to become a little more efficient, more power-based. Um, but yeah, lots learned through that. And then also, obviously, you know, the fact that I'm going from a 26-2 to a 26-9 in three minutes and a breaststroke, it, it shouldn't be happening. I think there shouldn't be that level of fatigue, especially when you see Emery go 25-7 on the third one. Like, that Holy was Jesus unbelievable. <laughs> I, I watched that race and I was like, one, how? But like, <laughs> Just, how i feel like he could have gone another like it just it was really it was really cool to watch it was beautiful and the fact that he can keep that power throughout those three like it's it's it'll be interesting to see what he can do long course for sure
0: yeah i mean just as long as we're nerding out here uh when 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 him and caleb lined up for the last 50 i was like yeah my money's on caleb I, because, because I've seen this guy swim 50 yeah. and I've seen him swim a hundred and he looked good for the first two rounds, but it's like, but Caleb, you know, like he, you know, he has endurance Caleb, he
1: to going through this round. Yeah. He knows right. how to go through three. Yeah. And,
0: sure. uh, he toasted him, man. Caleb just got smoked.
1: Yeah. It was crazy. And, and even like all of New York breakers, we were cheering for Caleb because we, we needed Caleb to beat him. <laughs> I think <laughs> yeah. even if Caleb had beaten him, I don't think it would have helped us unless Caleb stole all his points. Which is a whole nother topic—the whole point being stolen thing, but yeah, no, Emery definitely he carried iron on his back, and it was it was cool to see.
0: It it really was, and uh, you bring up a lovely point. Let's talk about <laughs> jackpots. Segway there. Uh, <laughs> what what do you think? So let I'll I'll uh, I'll preface with this: your teammate Marco Coke hit the biggest jackpot in ISL history in his 200 breasts. He stole. I think it was 30 points. points. Yeah. yeah. He's, he stole like all but second place. Uh, yeah. Biggest jackpot in ISL history, which was awesome to see. He almost broke a freaking world record. Um, yeah.
1: I think he's going to get it
0: too. I, uh,
1: fingers crossed. But what do you, what do you think of jackpots so far? Um, I think the idea behind it is correct. Um, the goal is to create these superheroes in the sport. Obviously, you're going to have those athletes there for sure. And this is a, a pretty clear way to do it. I think it's tough. Um, it definitely changes the way you approach uh, a race. I think it makes things interesting for coaches, especially when you look at the first competition and Energy Standard was you know, maybe a clear favorite, but mm. they got really pretty destroyed by Condors because of the jack points, uh, jackpot system. And that's an adjustment for a lot of people. Um, and so that was kind of interesting to see. And yeah, no, I it's, don't it's, it's a struggle, especially when, like, I feel what's hard for a lot of the athletes to wrap their minds around is how, like, fifth place and eighth place will both score zero when fifth place maybe was three seconds ahead of eighth place. Like, there's there's no differentiation from, you know, first through the totem pole type of thing when obviously there's a clear rank. And so people are feeling like maybe it's like, should it be fractional? Like, should it not be everybody's points are stolen completely to zero type of thing. But at the same time, it starts to get confusing. You know, the math becomes hard to do. And it's just like, at what point is it just swimming and racing versus like, just this really odd algorithm statistical thing. (laughs) Right. So it's like, how far is too far? I do think it's a good idea. And I think it's really really interesting and it makes for a lot of drama and that's great for tv and it's entertaining um but now the idea is how do we almost simplify it to make it so that viewers understand what's happening um yeah so that's that's a bit and then it's too it's interesting on the skins because i know also if an athlete jackpots the swimmer below them they take their money as well and that Ooh. <laughs> that hurts and I'm like I mean luckily I wasn't jackpotted but it's okay like that kid still like went through three rounds two rounds jackpot loses the money like that that's a little harsh I feel yeah Um, but it definitely I think it it does get the job done in terms of what ISL is all about and Mm. for that I think it's great um it definitely brings a lot of drama and excitement to it and makes You like I even think with iron and us, you saw that there could have been a very interesting swing of points because of the jackpots. And there's like this constant back and forth type of battle. It might not have been the same without the jackpots, I think. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And that that's a that's a really interesting point. Gosh, I didn't realize they stole their that's like adding insult to injury to kicking dirt in your face. All in one. I mean, Jesus, <laughs> taking your prize money too—that seems unnecessary. But I, you know, this is why I don't make the rules. I guess um, that's it's interesting tidbit, though. Uh, so, all right. So, yeah. moving forward, um, we talked about where you're at now. You you guys have two more matches, hopefully three, and yeah. beyond. Um, yeah. What to, what are you looking for heading into? What's your next thing Sunday, uh, heading into Sunday. What are are you looking for?
1: Um, for me, what I'm looking for in terms of racing is just finding more details to work on. Um, I have a few in my head, things that I've been working on in, in swimming. And then also to what I've noticed is the more I've been in the pool consistently now that we have basically access to the pool every day, twice a day, Mm -hmm. the more I'm swimming the more I'm learning, oh, over the last six months, I've started to lift my head a bit on the backstroke because I swim outdoors a lot and I wasn't super focused on time and nothing was really that fast. And so my stroke changed and now I'm starting to put my head back. I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm swimming a second faster in a 50. Like, why am I not doing this in the race? So like those little things are starting to add up just the more I swim. Um, so I'm kind of getting back to that natural, like, okay, how am I going to be more efficient in the race? And then also too, I think learning to turn on another gear at a certain point in the race is going to be vital. Um, Even from match one to match two in my 50 freestyle, I felt like I sprinted harder in the 50 free and match two than I did in the first one. And I don't know if it was a control thing, first race after so long, like what was different, but I know going into round two, I had a much higher beat kick. I understood that, you know, I have to have a fast kick in order to control the tempo, things like that, that I wasn't kind of thinking of and really aware of and realized now I got to bring it back to the basics type of thing. So that'll be good to see. And then also just focusing on the recovery from day one to day two of each competition, because that definitely, even though it's still 50s and a hundred in the relay, there's, there's a carryover and I need to be diligent in my recovery so that I can, you know, hopefully go into skins or whatever races is relatively fresh.
0: Uh, I have, I have last question.
1: Um, yeah.
0: so you got, you know, for example, you guys took Kasha off the relay and saved her for the 50 free. And obviously that worked out well. Um, what, what emphasis are you guys putting on relays versus individual swims? Cause obviously relays are double points, but you know, if, if you, if you're going up at, against a team, say like the Cali condors, who's just like, you know, They're gonna win that relay. Then what's what's the balance there? Of okay, well, then it might be better if we try to keep our swimmers a little more fresh for their individuals, where they might be able to win. They might be able to jackpot.
1: Yeah, I mean it's hard to answer, um, just because I'm I'm not making any of those decisions, Mm -hmm. and thank goodness because I would not be good at it. Um, We have a really awesome coaching staff, and I think uh, our head coach Martin has been doing an incredible job of trying to space the relays out to figure out where are we going to gain the most points. Um, it It is a struggle because obviously you could try and stack one team to place top three and then your one might come eighth or seventh and you add it up and it still ends up being too low in terms of where you're at. And so I'm not entirely sure what the strategy is. I feel like it changes every meet. Um, maybe, I mean, it's really interesting because once the meet even starts, like I don't get to watch anything. Like I'm just going back and forth, warming down, racing, warming down, racing. So I haven't actually watched any of the swimming. Um, I just hear about the results afterwards. (laughs) So it's, it's one of the things that I definitely have stayed out of. And it almost makes me think like, it'd be really good for you to have a conversation with Martin and our head coach, um, to see what his, his opinion is on that for sure.
0: All right. So my next podcast is going to be with Martin. We're going to talk to him about relay strategics for the New York breakers. Uh, Michael, it's, it's always so good to talk to you as always. And um, hopefully we can, we can chat again before the season's over.
1: hundred percent. Absolutely. Thanks Coleman.
0: You've been listening to the swim Swam podcast. Stay tuned for new episodes every week.